Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 30 for Tuesday, May 15th. I'm Alex Zui here today with Ray Estrada. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, Alex. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. You know, I am I'm a little bit upset actually. You know, I'm I'm a little bit heartbroken because the lead story today all over the news, all over baseball has to do with Robinson Cano who has been suspended for 80 games uh, for violating MLB's uh, performance-enhancing drug policy. And it really sucks because Cano has always been that kind of constant. As a Yankee fan, he was my favorite player for many years, you know, and even when he left, you know, he still was that guy. Robbie Cano, don't you know? But now it's now it's conflicting. The circumstances are not as bad as they could be, for one. We'll talk about a lot of the details surrounding this. And it's not our place to speculate, but we're going to speculate anyway, because what else is there to do, really? It's fun. And, you know, we'll talk about the Mariners. Their playoff chances aren't necessarily hurt, I would say. Um, They were virtually non-existent to begin with. And, you know... There's um this is kind of a a topic that I don't like talking about, but every year it happens. It seems that there's somebody every year that still violates this policy even though it's been pretty clear cut for what a decade plus now. You know, the rules are the rules and even the guys like Robinson Cano made his money and we don't know the context of his history of using performance-enhancing drugs, and we don't even know the current state of his usage of performance-enhancing drugs exactly right now. Um, So I guess I'll talk about that. He was suspended for using a diuretic, I believe is the term. Yes. And what that is basically is it's a masking agent for other drugs, and MLB, you know, whatever panel they have, came to the conclusion that it was used to conceal another drug, and they are treating it like a performance-enhancing drug, which is fine, you know. I can't speculate about these circumstances because I know nothing. I know, I actually know nothing. I only know what people are telling me. So, with that, you know, Robinson Cano has accepted the suspension and it's it doesn't really seem like he's you know such a bad guy. It's not a case like like Ryan Braun, let's say. That's that's a very famous <laughs> one where people really hate the guy for what he did and for how he handled things. I don't think that's going to happen to Robbie, but certainly there's other repercussions. What what was your reaction to seeing this earlier today? Dis- disappointment and frustration. Um because like I said, he he was one of the good guys. Guy, he he had fun. He was really good. wasn't wasn't a dick or anything. And then gets suspended for PEDs for a masking agent. And then something that you're not automatically suspended for unless MLB determines that you are using it to cover up uh, PED usage. So that's even as to more frustration. It's not a. It did, doesn't seem like it's completely innocent accidental ingestion of a PED. This is. Uh, this, this is frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's been a rough week for 
Cano, I would say. He yeah. got hit by a pitch over the weekend and broke his hand. He was expected to miss a significant chunk of time anyway with that. I don't even remember exactly how long, but uh, he's going to be missing 80 games now. That's going to overlap with DL time. It you know it started. The clock is clock is going. He will likely be back. What is it? Mid August. Yeah. 80 games later. So ineligible for the postseason. Yeah. If well, the Mariners make it, he was ineligible for the postseason when he signed a 10-year, 240 million dollar contract with the Mariners. So you know. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna sugarcoat that one, but um yeah, that's <laughs> I I really don't know what to say about that other than it, I'm not so much disappointed in Robinson Cano because I don't really know what's going on. I'm just kind of upset that, you know, of course his Hall of Fame chances are now going to be hurt. He looked like a guy who should his career play out more or less like it has been he would have been in the Hall of Fame, no problem. Uh, as of right now, you know, he's got a 304 career average, you know, 385, 441 on base and slugging to finish off that slash line. You know, 2,400 hits, 300 homers. You know, he's met a lot of thresholds that look really good for this stage of his career. And he's just consistent, man. 11 straight years of 150 plus games. And. You know, it's not a coincidence that, you I mean, he hasn't been on the DL since, um, what, 2006, I think, was the last time he wow. was on the DL. So, yeah, that's that's how you do that. That's how you constantly keep are yourself you, on the you, field. Are you, are you sure about that? I thought yeah. he has been hurt recently, I guess. I don't think so. He dealt with a stomach problem in 2016, I think, that he played through. He His performance suffered a little bit. But he played through some sort of stomach problem, I remember, I think two years ago now. And the first half of the season was pretty horrible, if I remember correctly. I can maybe look up some numbers on that, but uh, he he did play through it. He didn't go in the DL for it. Um, so that's, that's durability at its finest. And from 2010 to 2014, finished top six in MVP voting f- for those five years in a row. So... Now, now we just look and say, are his chances just completely shot? Are people going to give him a fair, a fair look? Because the way I see it, I'm very sympathetic towards the players of the steroid era that, you know, have been accused or have been, you know, convicted of using it, but in a time where MLB's drug policy really wasn't nailed down like it is now and i have had little to no sympathy for the players that have used it since you know i don't think ryan braun should be a a hall of famer for for any reasons you know d gordon you know this was similar situation i guess where it was you know he was open about it he admitted his mistakes he handled it well but i i can't say that he should have a fair shot at making the Hall of Fame now. He, his career is very early on, obviously. So I think the same goes for Cano. I, I don't think he can make the Hall of Fame right now. But that shouldn't take away from how he's remembered, right? I mean, the fact I is mean, the MLB decided that he was cheating. And that's enough to, to keep somebody out of the Hall of Fame at this point, you know? 
it's yeah, it's and... it's one hundred percent cheating now. I don't think steroid era usage should qualify as cheating because it wasn't really. I mean, it, well, it, it kind of was, not, but it wasn't violating. Not, it it wasn't, wasn't violating MLB's rules. Yeah, it wasn't cheating in terms of official rules. That's kind of where you and I differ on that. But, but um, yeah, I mean, I think as much as you want his legacy to more or less stay intact with the type of player that he was, I think it's it's going to be very hard to to do that. And that, that's the thing about all these guys, guys like say A Rod and even the steroid era guys, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, stuff like that. It's like it's it's hard to really look back and 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 see how good they were knowing that they they cheated one however definition you have it so i i i i think it's very very hard to uh look back and and truly appreciate what kind of how how good they were mm, yeah i mean that's always the dilemma where do you draw the line i draw the line where mlb draws the line they they drew a pretty concrete line you know that's they have very specific policies in place now and if you violate that well there's not a lot of contention there right that's it's pretty simple compared yeah. to how it was and, 20 years ago yeah and i think the thing here too is, is that he, he got busted for for something trying to mask a uh, trying to mask a ped he didn't get busted just for a ped he got busted for a masking agent that they had to reasonably prove was masking a PED. I think that's even as to the frustration uh, surrounding this uh, Cano suspension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I I don't let's talk about the Mariners as a whole now and what they're going to do with second base because they've said for sure that they're not going to move D Gordon, but the fact that they're going to rut to roll out Gordon Beckham, who they brought up from yeah. AAA, does not convince me that D. Gordon's not going to eventually switch back to second base. I, I can't believe that the Mariners would be able to to fill in that position for for 80 games in the middle of the year with AAA players, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, D. D. Gordon's a natural second baseman. He's and gold glove second baseman too. He's gold glove, gold glove second baseman, and only like two months in the season removed from playing second base in, in Major League Baseball. It's it's not like he hasn't played second base in five years and like oh maybe he's a little too used to the outfield. No, he was a second baseman for his whole career, or since the Dodgers moved into second base up until this this season. So I, I don't understand. I don't know what kind of outfield options they have at AAA or if they have bench guys, but I I feel like they're better than Gordon Beckham playing second base every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I did make a preseason prediction that D. Gordon would play more games at second base than Robinson Cano, but not like this. Not like this. This is not <laughs> what I asked for. It's not my fault. Um, by the way, just uh, following up on what I said uh, about Robinson Cano struggling the first half of it was actually 2015 not 2016 where he was dealing with some sort of stomach problem and had a really bad start to the season pre-all-star break 2015 he had a 660 OPS on base percentage under 300 which is very un Robinson Cano so yeah that was me me following up on that one so 
yeah n- now what now what do the mariners do do they just they they don't have shohei otani of course they don't have robinson cano now <laughs> they're a superstar they have nelson cruz who is probably the most fun stat cast hitter in baseball by by my approximation they have d gordon who is you know a speed demon they have kyle seager who is a seager at least they don't have Corey, <laughs> but um you know yeah, they have Corey's brother they have Corey's brother. Yeah. What more do you want? He had, he had a two homer game last week, so and he doesn't have to have Tommy John surgery. So who's who's the better brother now? <laughs> um, yeah. I, do you think the Mariners are gonna do something drastic either this year or in the off season, depending on how the rest of the season goes? I see something done in the off season because I I don't think you need to make a major move. Uh, to try and make the playoffs this year without Cano for uh, most of the rest of the season. And when he's not going to be available if you make the playoffs, I don't think you need to to, tr- to try and do that because then you're going to have to figure something new out for the playoffs while still having Cano for the long term, which is, I don't I don't know if you want to deal with that. I think you just tr- play this season out, maybe add a couple of depth pieces just to get you through the season. but And then evaluate after the season if as any team would to see if you need any big changes to try and make a postseason run yeah it's crazy even now that we don't and nobody really sees the mariners as sellers because they're just kind of that team you know they're that that team that won't give up on a season because they do have the resources to be good and they have they have some some star players there that should be centerpieces but it just never seems to work out they just can't make that that playoff push it it seems with the mariners they should be sellers but they're always in a spot where it also makes sense not to sell because it's not like they're a middling team they're a middling team that hasn't necessarily had the best breaks in terms of injuries and they haven't had everything come together and then fallen short because of that they've always said things like okay we could sell but we don't know about this yet and that if that does pan out then mm-hmm. selling might be a mistake so they, they ne- they're never in a prime position to sell yeah I mean look there's six games over 500 right now nobody is expecting that to hold up in that division especially they could finish in third in their division and it could be a pretty big gap because the Angels and the Astros are leagues ahead of the Mariners so you know I don't I don't know maybe they should be looking to move some pieces it's very early on to say things like this um so i don't i don't know where to go from there but uh robinson cano will not be around for a while we will not get to see him we weren't good we were expecting to miss him for a while and now for sure we we know a pretty pretty exact timetable of 80 games that he's gonna miss so Let's uh, let's move on from that topic. This is going to be a relatively short podcast today. There's not too much going on that happened this weekend that we feel we need to touch on. But one other thing, I'll let you go ahead and explain this next one here. Um, is a bit pe- peculiar. We we thrive on the peculiar. Go ahead and tell us about yeah. this one. Yeah. So Carson Smith, the Red Sox reliever, a guy who is in, has been injured a lot in his career. I believe he's tw- 28, 29. Um, uh, just recently off of Tommy John surgery, came back from that. He is now on the DL with no timetable and what 
Red Sox GM Dave Dombrowski calls a potentially major shoulder injury, a right shoulder subluxation, which is basically just a really bad dislocation. There's an extension. There's a non-bone, like, ligament, fleshy extension off your shoulder joint. Um, it the, the normal dislocation, it doesn't pop out of that. It just pops out of the bone socket. The subluxation, which is what he went down with, is it pops out of the whole thing. And that is very bad, obviously. Um, he did it throwing his glove in anger in the dugout. So uh, anger didn't really pay off for him in that situation. Um, yeah, so a potentially major shoulder injury off of just frustration for Carson Smith. Yeah, so, you know, next time any player wants to uh, take it out in a water cooler or decide to break a bat in the dugout or throw their glove just remember that you have a chance to get injured that's that's always a possibility just john rodriguez just as easily could have broken his hand by punching a water cooler didn't happen yeah just don't do it full force yeah do a lot of things i i would advocate for a punching bag right inside of the dugout well i guess like the hallway I think that would be a good idea. Have a little safe space away from cameras for players to go down and just take their frustration out. Or just have a designated drywall that has a bunch of punch holes in it. <laughs> I actually like that one. You have to make that visible, though, if that's the case. <laughs> so you just have to have a, a wall, right? And then how, yeah. how, well, how often would you want it to be filled in? Would you just want it for the season to see how many punch holes you can amass what if somebody decides to take multiple shots at the wall during one i rage I, episode? I think i think you replace it throughout the season well how um, many times then, like how often do you think and would you expect whenever it to whenever you feel like there's not a there's not enough clean spaces to punch anymore mm-hmm. and then well, you determine okay. like if you go through like four drywalls in a season i don't know what but like i i think i think that'd be a fun number to like look up oh they went through six drywalls this season I I am into that. I'm kind of into that idea. Although, you know, just the same having having the punching bag somewhere would would probably make more logistical sense for a team. But yeah, but you also you can't you can't destroy a punching bag. You can you have some like satisfaction in actually destroying the drywall. I I suppose yeah. Um, this is something that I did not bring up with you before but i feel we should talk about this now is the uh in relation to to fanfare that is uh the bullpen carts have finally gotten some usage over yeah i mean the only team to have them right now is the is the diamondbacks right but they were used regularly for the first time this weekend i think brandon kinsler and doolittle uh, sean doolittle it was the two two guys at the back end for the Nationals that mm-hmm. decided to roll in on the bullpen cart. And, you know, after seeing it and understanding why some players wouldn't want to use it, why most players don't want to use it, they'd prefer to jog in, I still think it's kind of cool, you know? It's it's kind of fun. The, the carts are kind of boring. I think there's a lot more potential for theatrics, um especially with home relievers coming into games. I think it could be a lot more hype. But, you know, I 
I really wish it would catch on. And it's not, it doesn't seem like something that every ballpark should do. It does seem like something that is fun because it's gimmicky. But if more teams, you know, more marketing departments for teams try to to make some strides to find a way to make it more entertaining for the entire stadium when a reliever's coming into a game, I'm all for that. So with no you know, new um, ideas off the top of my head for that. You know, do you think that the bullpen carts are, are going to be a little one-year stint here, or do you hope that, um, do you hope that some, some teams try to take it to the next level? I'm indifferent about bullpen carts. Like I said, it's, 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 it's gimmicky, and I, I mean, I prefer the jogging more. Um, I feel like it could be very good. Like I said, there's more theatrics around it, um, I feel it could be a very good minor league uh, implementation because minor league has a lot of theatrics around it, and that just add add more to that. I don't. I, I feel it's better suited to the minors than the majors. Hmm. Why is it better suited for the minors? I don't know. Minor league is. I'm not saying it's all gimmicks and like it's obviously quality baseball, and these guys are trying to go pro, but or they are pro. They're trying to make the major leagues, but for some reason it like. I, I don't know. It seems to me like something more suited for minor league games. It's just how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I do I do believe there is a new um, bat dog for I don't recall if it was for a minor league team, but I do recall seeing a video from the last week. Yeah, I mean it, it has it has to be right. Yeah. Why would why would any non professional team get a dog to to be their to be their yeah. Bat, bat dog. Yeah. What what do you what's the general term for um species list classification of someone who gets the bat? What do you mean? Like you can, you can't call I guess you can call a dog a bat boy still. If if he's a good or boy. If he's a good boy. So, you know, you know only you know only 50% of dogs are good boys. The other the other are uh, good girls. Exactly. You 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 know the, you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, so I, get, I, I do. Get, I do think I this one was a girl. I think this one was a was a female, the one that was uh, the new one instated this last week. Yeah. So, you know, we need more. We need more dogs on the field. I'm not even a dog guy, but I just love I seeing. Love, we we just need more dogs. Period. All right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So let's. You know, we're we're just keeping it light. We're talking about some, some just just some cool things that have been happening. Um you know, to kind of to draw away from the unfortunate headlining news. Let's talk about some swim move slides because it seems every year there's a few. I don't know if I've ever seen a stretch of, I think it's been in the last four or five days. I'm going to say the last, let's say the last week. The last week I've seen one of the most impressive strings of swim move slides from players that I can recall. And so maybe some, one of the be- one of them was maybe the best slide I've ever seen in terms of creativity. I don't I don't know about that. That might be a stretch. But um, to recap, I believe the first one in the sequence was Mookie Betts, who was stealing second base, headfirst slide, um, goes on the left side of the bag, touches with his left hand, and with his left hand on the bag, gets his left foot to the bag while still sliding so 
imagine him contorting with his his left left side of his body his toe and hand both touching the bag and he manages to transfer in that way i thought that was one of the most insane slides ever i think he was called out at first too and then he he was overturned if i remember correctly but that was the first of of many in a string so then javier baez had another slide that was more of the classic um you know hand swap where he, he looks like he's going with the left and switches to the right hand last minute he was safe on that one and then shortly after that mike trout had a great slide going into third base where he swerved out of the way and then did the old um you know, dive back to the bag after oversliding it to avoid the tag. And then most recently on Sunday, it was Danny Echeverria who sliding into home plate, he did the old wrap around the catcher try, and, and tries to, to fake his way around the catcher's tag. One of those fun plays at the plate, but it was executed with such finesse. I think there was probably it looked like a double fake out. I don't know. You have to watch it. There's no way I can possibly explain. Yeah, it. it's okay. So I'm gonna try to explain it best I can. Okay. So basically, so it starts with a simple like just like he lays Salvador Perez's initial tag. Then Salvador Perez falls backwards, puts his glove on home plate, and, and then Echeverria, Echeverria sees that his right hand can't get there, so then he switches to his left to tap home plate. Basically, he waited for. Perez to show him where to tag home plate. Yeah, it was it was basically a double fake on the same slide. And the thing is that this is just what jumps into my mind is how can, you know, with all the metrics we have, wins above replacement, you know, StatCast data, how can you possibly quantify this this type of athleticism that you know, creates extra bases and creates runs. It does. It works. There's no way you can know that, right? You just have to see it. This is one of those things that I I truly think will never have the ability to measure is just just pure athleticism and creativity, you know? That's what yeah. I find to be really cool. Um, so, yeah, maybe there will be more swim move slides. Maybe it's a revolution. Maybe just everybody that is expected to be stealing bases or you know anybody that's a marquee base runner now is expected to know how to do this yeah <laughs> sorry but um cody bellinger earlier this earlier this season had a uh, had a swim move slide that's right he did it was, it was a hand hand switching one right it was a hand switch yeah and he was asked about he was asked about it and he said he learned it from mike trout so from watching mike trout they're learning. They're evolving. They're like, see, move over and launch angle revolution. It's time for the swim move revolution. Oh, I love that. I, I mean, it's is it even a revolution? I, I want it to be. I want just the full fledged base running revolution, centered around the swim move maybe. But I want <laughs> just some of the best base running that we've ever seen to come into this game because that's like the next next way to get an edge up. I feel that that people are ignoring. So. You know, that's that's something else that's cool. Um, and, you know, I, I said that one, the Echeverria slide might have been the best ever. Now, now that I think more, it definitely wasn't. I, I still think Ichiro's famous ninja slide in a similar manner, you know, going around the other side of home plate and 
diving around the catcher was still better. And, you know, I don't know what you can call um, a, a batter jumping or a, a base runner jumping over the catcher if that's a slide, but if that's yeah, a slide, those are still better. I don't know. I don't know if it's a slide because he touched home. He touched home plate before anything else on the ground. So it was a, what do you call it? Just a dive. I yeah. I don't know. It was a a, a somersault. A, a, I guess. A flip, I guess so. A flip. Because he didn't slide into home, but there was no sliding in dirt happening. Kind of like you know, Chase Utley's dirty takeout slide. It wasn't a slide. No, because... he was. But he was in the dirt. You know, by the way, Chase Utley had another really dick move takeout slide against the Diamondbacks when they played him. I think I think this is probably a week, week and a half ago now. But it, was, it just it was, got my blood going a little bit. Ago. It felt like it's, I needed to mention it. It's fine. No, it wasn't. That one wasn't fine. You can't say yeah, that's fine. He he was already out, or he was already safe. I forget which one it was. But then he very visibly moves his foot into the calf of I think Nick Ahmed playing shortstop. He went he went after him with a cleat. That was dirty. That was not unintentional. Well, he's trying to take him out. Not no. Like... He he was that that's not. He was the the play was already made. The throw was oh, already was made. Yeah, Chase Utley. No, that no, was no. that was a dirty slide. They're both Wait. dirty slides, but that one was. Come on, he cleated him in the the calf for no reason. He was trying to be safe. What? I'm sure he was trying to be safe, but you know he still ended up doing something what, really. Do you stupid. remember what the play was? You I know what? I, I, I feel the need to look at a video now, but I'm not going to do that because we're, we're kind of podcasting and I feel like watching a video. <laughs> I, I'll, a, I'll save your time for watching the video. He was... So, Souza let a ball drop in right and Utley had to get to second and it was, he was going to be forced out at second. That's what that was. It was not a double play. He was going into second. All right. Well, Chase, Chase Utley tried to be less of a jerk on the base paths that's all i'm saying so you know what, what were we talking about we we're talking about the swim move revolution is that yeah. what we're coining it okay we we have well, coined we the talking term. About, we we're talking about what chris coglin's uh, right technically dive with his somersault basically i want to see more creativity on the base pads going forward and i don't i certainly never heard the uh the term swim move revolution before so um <laughs> If you if you I'm, know, I'm gonna I'm gonna trademark that and make a bunch of money off it. Okay, you're on it. Okay, cool. I don't have to. I'm on it. Then. All right. So, I think that's about it. Oh, one other thing, regarding the Angels, because we didn't really we talked about Mike Trout ever so briefly, but um, in today's game against the Astros, they are taking on Garrett Cole, who has been amazing, of course, but the Angels lineup will have Trout in the leadoff spot and Shohei Otani hitting second. That's what I like to see. That puts a smile on my face. Because if that works out and we see that going the rest of the year, you know, when Otani's in the lineup, of course, oh man, that could be something fun to watch. I, I'm still very much enamored by what Shohei Otani's doing. Some I, I feel that he's been normalized now you know everybody's used to him but every time i see what he's able to do i'm, I'm just baffled 
I have not gotten used to him yet. So you should not be either. Nobody should ever get used to Shohei Otani. And, you know, if you didn't like that already, if that wasn't, if you don't have any reasons to like Shohei Otani, um, another great quality of his is how considerate he is to dugout cleaning staff. He spits his sunflower seeds into a cup in the dugout instead of just onto the ground or into the dirt. Like any other baseball player in the United States probably would do. I, I cannot even recall a time where any baseball player has spit into a cup. So, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, it's a very, that's, very just an, that's just another Japanese level. Do. That's just another the Jap- level. The Japanese of... really respect their uh, facilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw, you know, going through the threads too, apparently they don't have an abundance of, of trash cans in major cities around Japan. Really? Um, yeah. So, and but there's also not a lot of litter. So I think it's, you know, partially a cultural thing. I don't know which which came first, the lack of trash cans, if that came first, or the lack of littering. But either way, makes makes a lot of sense to me. So I I mean they're not Americans. They're not they're not carrying a bunch of stuff that they're eating and throwing away. I don't think. I uh, mean, people generate trash. That's not a yeah. uniquely uh, American thing, but. The point is, Shohei Otani's great in non-baseball-related ways as well. So with that, I think we're going to end our podcast for today. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, I'd like to remind you that you should check out all our stuff at beattheshiftbaseball.com. All our podcasts, any articles that we write, fantasy stuff as well. So check that out, beattheshiftbaseball.com. Uh, remember to rate, comment, and subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it. And we do want to hear what you think, so get in touch with us on social media at BeatTheShiftBP on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those places. We'd love to hear what you think. And yeah, so that is going to be it for today. Thanks, everybody, once again. As always, Ray. Peace. <laughs>